The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at Busey Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. Good morning and welcome to Busey Money Talk. I'm Aaron Sutton. I'll be your host today. I've got two very special guests with me today, as always. I've got uh, Thaddeus Yasunaga. He's an investment portfolio manager and CFA charter holder. And I've also got Arian Arslani. He's also a CFA charter holder and an investment portfolio manager. So these are two guys that are uh, stars in our investment team. And so <laughs> glad to have them here today. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Great Thanks for having here. us. All right. So, well, we've got a beautiful day out there. Uh, but yesterday was not a beautiful day in the market. Unfortunately, we were down about 4%. Uh, that was the worst day we've had in a couple years. Uh, yeah. So we've been seeing a lot of volatility in the market, and we've got a lot to talk about today. So I really want to jump right into it. Uh, we're going to have Thaddeus lead us off and maybe just talk about that volatility and give us a little market <laughs> update on, on what we're seeing in the equity and the bond market. Yeah, no, uh, uh, certainly a lot of volatility, which is a uh, code word for losses, really. So we've seen exactly. pretty significant declines in the market uh, yesterday, uh, as you mentioned, was a very, uh, very large um, uh, drop in the S and P 500, and uh, and year to date we are down around around 17 percent uh, for that broad benchmark. Uh, like I said, the S and P 500, the Nasdaq, which uh, or the Nasdaq Composite, which has um, more uh, more exposure to technology and consumer discretionary type companies. Um, that's actually in what's called a correction. So that's down over 20% uh, here year to date. Is that a correction or is that a bear oh, market? Yeah. yeah. Oh, correction is 10%. Yeah. yeah so bear market. That's so a bear we're market. in a yeah. bear market there. Um, so, you know, uh, certainly seeing a lot of declines. You know, part of it, I think a lot of it has to do, of course, with, um, you know, what's going on in the world. Uh, obviously, the Ukraine crisis uh, is influencing markets. Um, but probably the bigger concern is around uh, inflation and then, of course, the economy and just uh, as we're reopening, you know, yeah. what what does inflation mean for uh, for stocks going forward? Uh, what does it mean for for the economy and economic activity? So that that certainly has been the driving concern, uh, you know, f really throughout the year. Uh, and then part of that and related to that, of course, is the, the dramatic shift in interest rate policies. Yep. So, um, you know, the Federal Reserve all of last year was sort of referring to inflation as being transitory, which means kind of temporary or just, you know, recovery of prices. If you recall, oil oil futures, not actual oil, but oil futures traded negative in 2020. Yeah. So uh, we have a yeah sort of an exponential <laughs> increase from that level uh, in terms of energy prices. But, but um, here more recently or, or really in the new year, uh, sort of drop that language, sort of recognizing that in the increase in prices consumers face has been much more broad-based than just uh, energy prices, for example, or just isolated things like car prices due to supply chain constraints. We are seeing uh, prices increase 
uh, you know, food, energy, of course, mm-hmm. but then also in goods, also housing in particular. So home prices have been increasing yep. and we're starting to see rents and those types of things. And that makes up a third of that composite measure of the, of CPI is in those housing related measures. Uh, so, you know, that, that has been uh, a very big, uh, driver, I think, of some of the losses that we're we're, we're seeing here uh, in both the stock and, and the bond market. Um, you know, we are, and you know this very well. You are uh, you are a manager of our uh, equity strategy for yeah. our clients, but er- earnings have been you know okay. I think uh, good, right? So, seventy five percent of companies have been beating those analyst expectation. That's right in line, right, mm-hmm. with uh, what we see historically. It does seem like the margins or the the amount that they're beating those earnings has been lower, particularly than what we've seen, I think, in the past couple of years, right? Yeah, there's a a real interesting dynamic there. Um, I follow some of these sectors, like you said, managing our stock portfolio. And if you look at a name like Procter & Gamble, uh, they sell soap, all sorts of consumer goods. Their earnings were actually quite good. Um, Margins held up. They were able to price – uh, pass on some of those price increases, yeah. and all in all, it turned in a pretty good quarter. And then you fast forward to the last couple of days, and the main retailer selling Procter and Gamble's products, yeah. Walmart and Target, they announced a margin contraction. So, I think what's happening is Walmart and Target are not fully passing on those price increases to the end consumer. Yeah, they're eating a little bit of that, and that certainly hit their uh, margin numbers. And really caused some pretty large moves in those mark in those stocks. Um, really, those two stocks have been doing quite well uh, through the pandemic, but it looks like yeah, this inflation uh, has been a little bit of a struggle for them here recently, and caused them to lower their guidance for the year. So, yeah, this is a, a something that uh, bears watching, and certainly hit those companies pretty hard this quarter. Yeah, and that and that's I mean it. I think along those lines, that is what we are seeing. Uh, so many of the the sectors that are getting the hit the hardest are in maybe those more discretionary sort of the technology stocks, mm-hmm. consumer distress, discretionary, uh, communication services. Right, those are the ones that are driving or leading the declines. I should say that yep. we're seeing uh, here year to date. Meanwhile, you know, energy, right. So energy stocks are up close to 50% year to date. And that's, you know, that's a sector, like I said, with prices were negative <laughs> or oil futures were negative in 2020, yeah. a dramatic uh, rebound there. Uh, and not, I would say, even to this day, really, not not a loved segment of the market. I think many investors are still you know, somewhat hesitant for, for maybe for good reasons to be investing in in energy-related uh, uh, assets. Yeah, and I would say not loved in Washington, D.C. either. Uh, it seems like every other day there's some sort of uh, potential legislation around price gouging for the energy companies or a windfall tax. or uh, They're getting a lot of attention uh, from D.C., and I would say not in a good way. So uh, it's something to keep an eye on there, too, as, as well, if something comes out of D.C. or not. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, for the time being, it is the it is the yeah. the one bright spot in uh, in uh, portfolios, um, and then as I mentioned, yields have been rising, so the the fixed income or the bond bond market also hasn't been spared. So that uh, U.S. Ag Index, which is sort of a the broadest benchmark uh, for fixed income securities or high quality fixed income securities, that is also down around ten percent year to date, and that's what I think has been. You know, particularly painful about this period is that you're seeing losses, 
both in the stock side of the portfolio, but then for for balanced investors, which most of us are, you know, also seeing losses in that uh, fixed income portion is is somewhat unsettling. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point there. I, I've had a lot of conversation with clients recently, and I think they kind of got into this false hope that bonds would always go up or at least hold their own when yeah. stocks go down, because uh, that had really been the case through the it last last yeah. few sell-offs. But if you go back farther, uh, it's certainly not always a negative relationship. So yep. you kind of just got to extend your time horizon, and you'll see plenty of times in the past where they've both gone down. But we kind of got spoiled the last few corrections or sell-offs that bonds did hold up well. But you're exactly right, Thaddeus. It's certainly not the case this time. Yeah, and uh, and I would say we're a little less concerned about what's going on in the bond market. So so I guess first off, for, for clients that we – we serve, you know, we generally don't buy long dated maturities. And so even that helps mitigate some of the impact of these yield increases. But when a, when a bond declines in value, assuming that there isn't, um, you know, a treasury, right, with no default risk, when it declines in value, no, nothing really changes, right, Aaron? I mean, we're still going to get the same coupon payments we originally were going to get. That's right. Uh, yeah. Really, the loss is just if we were to to sell it at that day, we would have that loss uh, associated with the lower price of the bond. Exactly. But the coupons are still going to be the same. We're still going to get our principal at maturity. The, um, uh, I mean, there is a silver lining to that, right? So when we're reinvesting or when we're buying new bonds, they're going to have higher coupons. They're going to mm-hmm. we're going to get more interest for those. So you know the the bond market. It's actually for a long-term investor. I think it is somewhat good to see higher yields. That means more income in the future. It should be easier to uh, to invest for retirement and have that that retire reliable income. For sure, I think you know if you back up maybe a year ago, you might be getting like two percent from an intermediate bond portfolio, and now you're maybe getting three to four percent. So yeah, yeah, the the yields have almost doubled there. Yeah, and. I mean, it's still, you know, with the inflation picture, that still makes it somewhat concerning. But, True. But, um, you know, it, it isn't like defaults like we saw maybe during the financial crisis, right? Exactly. Where many, many of the corporate borrowers were actually unable to pay. Really, this is just purely a function of yields being higher, so bond prices uh, declining. And, That's right. I mean, is this, are stocks all that different? Uh, no, um, you know, at the end of the day, what you're paying for is a future com- a company's future profitability and what they're going to be able to earn as a business. And so, no, unless you sell and lock in that loss, no, as long as that company's still viable, still doing a good job, able to grow their business over the long term, we see no reason why investors couldn't recover their losses there either. And so, in a way, you are just kind of buying the cash flow of a company similar in the way that you're buying yeah. uh, the cash flow from a bond. Now, yeah. it's certainly nicer to buy it at a lower price, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That, that yeah. would s- certainly be ideal. Um, but, you know, that that really, I think, sums it up. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Uh, international, I think, similar story there yeah. in terms of the concerns around inflation. I think we're seeing similar amounts of uh, losses there as well. Uh, geopolitical issues maybe impact particularly Europe more. They're a lot closer uh, to this uh, Ukraine issues that, uh, that that we are seeing. Yep. So, Thaddeus, we got a, a few minutes before the break here. You know, one of the things we're seeing a lot of talk about recently is a recession risk um, for several reasons. You know, obviously, the first quarter GDP actually came in negative. It did, um, yeah. And you have the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, as you mentioned. And their track record of 
kind of having these soft landings, if you will, from raising interest rates and trying to not put the economy in a recession, their track record isn't too great there. Um, so maybe what we could talk about for a few minutes here is kind of what are your thoughts on maybe, number one, trying to predict a recession, <laughs> and number two, whether we kind of think that's really a, a worthwhile exercise or not. Yeah. So um – I you know I looked at my at my email inbox and so uh, like literally every other email is some you know company a lot of them we work with prediction around when the recession is going to start oh, yeah. right so uh, uh, everyone has some opinion on it so we're it's recession risks were overblown I think is the newest headlines uh, or. Uh, somehow they know or they're predicting that it's going to happen like in the second quarter of next year and then it's going to you know be very mild and last for only a, a couple quarters and i always scratch my head like why why you know why is this all they want to talk about i mm -hmm. guess or why is this the biggest theme and then sure you know we looked up and I, and i showed you a chart earlier today right so i think the reason people are concerned about it i mean they should be concerned because it's uh contraction of economic activities mm -hmm. is not good for uh well for the economy which means it's not good for us as consumers or 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 workers and, and things like that but uh I, I think I know why everyone wants to know if we're in a recession or not. And it's because if you pull up that, that chart that I showed you, and I think we'll have to post this on LinkedIn or along with the, with the podcast. If you look at it, the, all of the market declines, I, I mean, I say all, not all of it, but much of the market declines that we've ever seen historically have occurred during periods of recessions, right? And so, uh, the most recent recession was related to the COVID pandemic. But, you know, that period was a recession. Mm -hmm. And that's where the major losses that we saw in the market, of course, the, the financial, uh, financial crisis and then the dot com bubble, all of the, all of those declines. So uh, that makes sense now, right? So if you sure. can predict when a recession is going to start, then, and avoid it and avoid investing in stocks, then you can save yourself from a lot of losses, buy it when the recession is over. And you're gonna you're gonna do really really well, so right? Really really good returns if you could do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and so I I find that interesting that people sort of think that way because it's not really the way the economic data works. Mm -hmm. So uh, so first off, we did get our uh, our first estimate of uh, of GDP for the first quarter, and it was negative one point six. So that's seasonally adjusted annualized rate. So it's actually the quarter of a quarter, you have to divide that by four. But it was a modest decline or contraction. We can get into the weeds of what actually drove that because the consumer consumer was actually very strong during the mm -hmm. period. It was mostly related to exports. Uh, but that's only the first or the advanced notice. Uh, and uh, and they revise it three times, which I, I think we'll have to continue that uh, after our break here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's continue that because I think it's a fascinating mm -hmm. discussion. So Let's take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be right back after this brief commercial. You have a lot to look forward to. Growing your family. Opening your own business. Retiring to travel. Leaving your legacy. Busey Bank is here to help you celebrate your life's milestones by putting your money to work with thoughtful advice, trusted resources, and proven results. Busey is proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, a champion for purpose and progress since 1868. Member FDIC. 
All right. Welcome back. You're listening to Busey Money Talk. I'm your host today, Aaron Sutton. And with me, I've got Thaddeus Yasunaga and Arian Arslani. And before the break, we're having a fascinating discussion around recession, um, kind of our thoughts there, uh, talking about people trying to predict a recession. And the reason I think that's so important is uh, a lot of our clients and maybe even some of our listeners kind of have this misperception of this is what you have to do to be a successful investor is predicting things like a recession. Yeah. Um, we know that's not the case. We know that if you just bought and hold over the long term, you earned, you know, nine to ten percent from the market. Yeah. Oh still a really good return. So that's why I think this discussion's so important. But I do just kinda wanna finish it and yeah, Thaddeus, if you can maybe just kind of finish your thoughts there uh, yeah. before the break that you had around kind of predicting recessions. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think earlier we discussed, right? So the periods of recession are very bad for stock markets. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you could predict that, that and avoid those losses, that would be fantastic. But the d- the data that comes through is subject to revisions. Uh, and and a, g- a really good example of that is uh, is during the first quarter of 08. So the first quarter of 08, uh, the initial estimate, so the same as this first estimate that we saw for our first quarter of this year, was actually positive. So it was 0.6% uh, annualized expansion. Mm-hmm. And then by the third revision that they came back <laughs> and said, actually, no. I mean, because these are rough estimates. They don't, have, oh, yeah. they don't have the data you know, that timely. And they went back and they said, actually, no, we had a contraction of 1.6%. <laughs> pretty big revision. It is a pretty yeah. big revision. So you go from being positive and, and expanding to contracting. And I, I kind of remember this. I mean, I was, I was much younger during this period. But that was kind of the excuse for a lot of the market. So you heard the pundits saying things like, we're not in a recession. Everything should be fine. Yeah. I mean, if it was a recession, that would be bad. But otherwise, you know, these declines don't matter because it's not a recession. We're going to bounce back. And so I think that's a bit cautionary that the data is subject to revision. The other thing is that it's it's actually the National Bureau of Economic Research that declares when we're in a recession Mm -hmm. or when a recession started and ended. And they do that ex post. (laughs) So they do it after the fact. Exactly. So, you know, sort of regardless of how, so I I guess one, one lesson or key lesson is anyone who's tried to use economic data to like predict market returns, particularly if you go back and look at GDP estimates, because they don't present the initial estimates, you see the final revised figure. So exactly. if you're, if you're yeah. like building this in your model or something like that, <laughs> it's very, that's not a very smart thing to do because that is not the data that you would have seen at that point in time. Yep. There is more timely data. The, the purchasing, uh, the purchasing manager institute, uh, the PMI figures, that's very timely. And you see the market moving actually quite a bit related to those types of data. Uh, but much of the economic data, it's really not its purpose, and it, it doesn't do a very good job from a predictive standpoint. Yep. Th- Thaddeus, my question to you is, is there a difference between laggy indicators, like maybe the GDP report, and more leading indicators, perhaps yeah. like the consumer confidence, that now that might be something that's more timely? Yeah, exactly. And that's what you do see, right? So as I just mentioned, the, the survey data where they go to purchasing managers and mm-hmm. they ask, are you buying more, are you selling more uh, for inventory and things like that? That, that data is very timely. And right. when those releases come out, and the, the market kind of moves a lot in response to that. Uh, like you said, consumer sentiment, so those survey data, also very timely, also impacts the market. Backward looking, you know, definitely inflation type measures, definitely the pure economic data. But, you know, part of this too is like, even if you, 
you know, back to, to what you were saying about, you know, how, how would you use this information? Mm-hmm. Even going back, you know, even if you had perfect foresight to know when the recession was going to start and, or, or if it was going to start and when it was going to end, I don't know if that's going to do a lot for you in terms of being able to, to you know, make money off of it or invest in a way that makes a lot of money. And we were, we were sort of joking about this earlier, but if you imagine this genie, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like the end of 2019 and this genie mm-hmm. comes and it's probably not a nice genie, not the I want to be your friend type of genie, right? <laughs> so the genie comes to you and he's like, uh, there's going to be a global pandemic right. this year, this next year. It's going to uh, you know, bring the uh, entire global economy to a halt. Right. And, uh, and, you know, and it's going to be a real, you know, really a disaster. Just a, uh, and it was, to be honest, and it still is, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they said, you know, you can, you can, you know, buy stocks or you can sell stocks. <laughs> and with the caveat that you have, you to, have hold to hold those it for the whole for the year, entire you have year, to hold yeah. it for all of 20, 2020. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know who wouldn't be like, I will definitely not own stocks <laughs> for 2020 if exactly. I knew that there was going to be a pandemic. But then, you know, ex post, we look back and, and I mean, the pandemic was severe and we did see a severe drawdown in stocks. But by the end of the year, uh, what were we up? Well, 18%. Yeah. For the, for, that that's excellent. from the beginning with all of excellent those losses. Year, yeah. And so even knowing these things in advance, I don't think it wouldn't even guarantee success. Uh, you know, even if you had a genie that was telling you what was going to happen, if you knew uh, that there were going to be wars or pandemics or, you know, failures of banks or Bitcoin was going to go to zero or things like that. I don't yeah. even know if you'd be able to use that information very well uh, to be able to to invest. And and I think your original question is like, well, well what should you focus on? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, just to that real quick, uh, it's such an excellent point, And I don't want to skip past it too quickly because you're exactly right. There's two things you have to get correct. Number one, the event. Yeah. And then number two, the market reaction. And I think all of us have been around long enough that the market reaction to an event sometimes does not always intuitively make sense, meaning you could have some bad news, but the market goes up. You could have good news, but the market goes down. And so it's so true. And time and time again, um, I think it's a great illustration of this point of that predicting the events hard enough by itself, but then predicting the market reaction <laughs> is even harder in that pandemic situation. It's just such a, a great example I mean, of that. Even this latest GDP number, right? The day it came out, it showed economic contraction. But yeah. the market, I, th- I believe, was yep. up that day. I yeah. think it was. And, and part of it was because when you, when you looked at the underlying components of GDP, it was pretty clearly that it was an export versus import type mm-hmm. thing. The mm-hmm. consumer was actually very strong in the report. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but nonetheless, right? I mean, it's like if someone gave you the information ahead of time to trade on, right, you exactly. may not even be able to, to, to profit off it. Yeah. And we, we've been in these scenarios not too long ago with past rate height cycles where bad news actually becomes good news because when you get a bad economic reading, it leads people to believe that the Fed may actually change their policy and actually maybe not hike interest rates as much as they originally anticipated. Yeah. And so that's how bad news can end up being good news because it may influence what the Fed actually does with interest rates. And, and yeah. a, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that. So we've, we've seen the big reaction in the bond market. And so now if we, you know, it still is all about inflation, but if we do see softer economic data, that could see bonds rally and actually stocks could respond yeah. favorably mm-hmm. to that as well. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but again, so if you're not, I don't I don't think that's. Hopefully, we've made a case that that's very difficult. Maybe not something investors should do. I, I guess what what should we do as an alternative? Yeah, exactly. is really and and people say this. It's almost become cliche, but you should focus on the long term. Right. Mm-hmm. And and we pointed out earlier that from a long term perspective, when you own stocks in particular, you you have an ownership interest in a business, and to the extent that that business provides goods and services that have a lot of value and that they can make a profit on, you'll have a claim on that, right? Uh, and so that's what has driven the historical return of the stock market. And that's what we would anticipate will lead to future returns. And, uh, and when we look at the market today, it, it really is, uh, it's a better deal in a lot of ways than it was at the beginning of the year. And, and to be honest, we were buying stocks, right, in the beginning of the year, and we'll, we're continuing to buy stocks uh, now for clients because we do think it's worthwhile. And so, Thaddeus, if you could maybe expand on that just a little bit, um, you know, kind of what's our process at Busey? You know, if we're not trying to predict recessions or the next major economic event, what's some of the key data that we look at kind of to make decisions around our client portfolios? Yeah, we we really focus on those fundamental drivers of long-term returns. Yeah. And so in 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 bonds, it's pretty straightforward. It's interest rates. So if you buy a bond, particularly like a treasury, you know what your coupons are going to be and you know what the yield is going to be or how much and that yield directly translates into how much you're going to earn from a return or a percentage standpoint. Yeah. And so that's fairly straightforward, but even when you look at things like like I just mentioned the stock market, there's very similar ways to view it in terms of uh, how much earnings or cash flows uh, individual companies, but also the market as a whole can generate. And you do want to make some adjustments. So uh, you mentioned margins on some of those retailers getting compressed. You, you maybe want to normalize that for uh, our margins really good right now or, or somewhat bad uh, and adjust that figure. But a lot like a bond, you can look at earnings yield or a cash flow mm-hmm. yield and have a reasonable expectation of long-term returns. And I think that is useful. So you don't have to predict when the recession is going to start or end, uh, but you do have to be a long-term investor. Because if you're, if that analysis really only, and we, we've shown scatter plots and things yep. like that, those types of uh, analysis really work well uh, more than five years, five, ten years. They don't really do anything for you in a quarter of our quarter basis. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's the information we use. We try to position uh, client portfolios in a way that um, you know is focused on the long term, but maybe takes advantages of differences between different markets. I know, I mean, particularly in the stock portfolio and what you've done so far this year for clients. I mean, it really a lot of it has been around picking the segments of the market that didn't have those really high valuations that mm-hmm. had maybe more. Uh, more attractive long-term cash flow potential. So, yeah, uh, uh, real quick. So, I uh, think real quick here. You know, at the end of the day, the way I like to sum it up is: we want to be diversified for our clients, and then what we want to do on top of that is own more of the cheap stuff and yeah. less of the expensive exactly. stuff. That it kind of boils down to that. There's a, a very complicated process we go through to determine that, and we look at all those things you mentioned. Um, now, the last minute or so here, I, I want to flip it over to Arian, and I'm going to put him on the spot here. Um, you know, I, we see a lot of news articles um, that both investors, uh, institutional investors, and I think uh, retail investors are sitting on a lot of cash. Um, this has been building up for some time, I think, because of all the reasons we've talked about, the recession fear. Um, you know, markets are very volatile. As you said, we've seen losses. Um, and so... 
for our listeners out there today, Arian, if they're sitting on maybe too much cash that's right. been building up for a while, they haven't been knowing what to do with it, what's maybe some advice you might give them on, on what they should do today? Should they continue to wait? Should they put it all in the market? Should they average in? Kind of maybe give us some of your thoughts around that if you can just in the last couple of minutes here. Yeah, absolutely. My my advice would be kind of what you talked about is dollar cost averaging into the market. So let's just say you have uh, $10,000 you wouldn't want to put it all uh, in right away because of the volatility we're seeing in the markets right now. So it might make more sense to slowly put that cash to work, maybe put a, you know, 10% a week or 10% a month, depending on the cash flow situation, so that you kind of alleviate some of the market volatility and you can kind of average in the pricing point uh, that you enter the market. You know, one of the things that could be harmful is if you put all your cash to work, you could be, you know, still there might be some volatility to the downside. So that would be yeah. unfortunate. So, so dollar cost mm-hmm. averaging would be a way to kind of average the price that you enter the market. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a great way to kind of get past that inertia, if you will, mm-hmm. of sitting on that cash, trying to figure out the perfect time to get into the market. As we said, it's extremely difficult to do, if not impossible. So, you know, our standard recommendation is typically to put it all in. But I think in an environment like this, we are seeing heightened volatility. Right. I think averaging in now uh, could be a good strategy around that. So, absolutely, yeah, thanks then, for you know another thing that don't don't forget about your four hundred one k too. So, oh yeah, you know yep. look look at that and how much you're investing there, and yeah. you may want to increase that uh, that how much is getting taken out of your paycheck. Exactly, yep. good point. So, well, as always, fellas, uh, the time has flown by here. Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour, so we're going to have to uh, to jet out of here, but. Uh, thanks for everybody for listening. You've been listening to Busey Money Talk. Uh, I was your host today, Aaron Sutton. And as always, if you need help with anything, uh, you can reach us at 217-365-4800. And you've been listening to WDWS News, News Radio 1400.